welcome to the first episode of this podcast. So today we're going to be looking at a human topic, a human A-level topic um, in geography of contemporary urban environments and within that topic we're going to be specifically focusing on social and economic issues associated with urbanisation. key questions that we will be looking at within this section are how do social and economic issues vary across and within cities and also how are different cities tackling issues such as inequality and segregation so if we get started with some key terms the first key term that we need to be aware of is cultural diversity And this is the existence of a variety of cultural or ethnic groups within a society. The next key term is diaspora and this is a group of people who have a similar heritage or homeland and they have settled elsewhere in the world. We also have economic inequality and this is the difference between levels of living standards, income etc across the whole economic distribution. We have social segregation and this is when groups of people live apart from the larger population and it's due to factors such as wealth, ethnicity, religion or age. And then the final key term that we need to be aware of is urban social exclusion. This refers to economic and social problems that are faced by residents in areas of multiple deprivation. So if we start off looking at economic inequality, now many people argue that a key feature of cities in Asia, Africa and South America is the fact that there is an increasingly large wealth gap between the residents that are rich and the residents that are poor and this is what we refer to as economic inequality. If we look at a specific example, in Mumbai we can see the contrast with The world's most expensive home, which is towering over one of the largest slum areas of the city. However, inequality does exist in all urban areas, not just cities located in Asia, Africa and South America. When you're doing fieldwork in an area, it can be quite easy to identify which areas are more affluent. And you can also get a sense of if a neighbourhood is improving or deteriorating. This is because the wealthy and the poor seem to concentrate spatially. This is a form of social segregation. There are a number of reasons for this. So the first reason is housing and this is because developers, builders and planners, they tend to build housing with a particular market in mind for that specific block of land. That is the requirement to build a proportion of affordable housing and this can affect the housing value in some areas. However, wealthier groups have the choice of where they want to live as they can afford to pay premium prices for housing well away from these poorer areas and this is how this segregation forms as poorer groups typically have less choice in where they can live. However, housing is only a partial explanation for inequality as housing neighbourhoods do change over time. 
For example, the houses that were built for large families in the Victorian times are now way too big for the average family in the UK. So many of these have been converted into multi-let apartments where they are privately rented out to people on low incomes. However, these former poorer areas are being gentrified. Um, this is due to the right to buy legislation that came around in the 1980s. This caused many council estates to be transformed as the houses were bought by their occupants and then improved. And finally, another reason is the ethnic dimension. So ethnic groups that have originally come to the country as new immigrants. So when they first arrive, it is possible that they may have suffered discrimination in the job market and they may have been unemployed or employed in really low paid jobs. This means that they were only able to afford the really cheap housing. So therefore migrants that come to the city tend to concentrate in the poorer areas of the city and this tends to persist for the later generations as well. So we have clusters in we have clusters of multicultural areas. So in terms of measuring poverty and inequality the UK government has a qualitative survey which measures deprivation at a small area level across England and this is called the index of multiple deprivation and the seven different dimensions of deprivation include income, employment, health deprivation and disability, education, skills and training, crime, barriers to housing and services and finally the living environment. So each of these domains have their own scores and ranks and this allows users to focus on specific aspects of deprivation. It is also important to note that the statistics that are formed from this index are a measure of relative deprivation, not affluence. And so it's important to recognise that not every person in a highly deprived area will also themselves be deprived and likewise there will be deprived people living in lesser deprived areas. Now if we look more closely at urban social exclusion, um, these residents are often excluded from full participation in society due to their social and physical circumstances. They often can't access a job because of poor education or they can't access decent housing due to poverty. Um, they often suffer from poor health and there tend to be high levels of crime in those areas and this can cause a lack of social cohesion and in really extreme cases it can lead to civil unrest. So inequality does still remain a major challenge for cities in the 21st century. But inequalities tend to exist in terms of access to job opportunities, education, sorry, education, housing, basic public services such as water and sanitation. In many poorer countries, inadequate water and sanitation services are primarily channeled to the upper and middle class neighbourhoods where and then the lower income neighbourhoods often depend on distant and unsafe water wells. 
so the poorer tend to suffer quite a lot more as they live in overcrowded informal accommodation that lacks the basic infrastructure and services and this is where we see the knock-on impacts of poorer health, higher unemployment, lack of social mobility and they get stuck in this endless cycle of poverty. Um, so it is important that we distinguish between poverty and inequality. So poverty refers to a level of deprivation that does not change over time whereas inequality refers to differences between people, usually economic, over a geographic distribution. So now let's move on to how poverty and inequality are being tackled in cities. So some general strategies that are being used to reduce poverty and inequality include so the first thing is enforcing a living wage or providing an urban subsidy and this allows people to be lifted out of poverty. We also have the provision of schools. Now education may be taken for granted in, in many high income countries but schooling beyond primary school level helps to lift millions of people out of poverty in the lower income countries. There's also the supporting of lower skilled workers who want to develop their abilities. So this means that cities need to ensure that labour markets are inclusive. There's access to affordable housing. Now, the presence of slum housing in poorer cities shouldn't hide the fact that access to affordable housing is also a major problem in wealthy cities as well. In London, the lack of affordable housing has been blamed for breaking up families, reducing employment prospects and mobility, and also slowing the economy. Uh, another strategy is the greater provision of public transport. Now, having affordable public transport schemes improves mobility for the poorer people, and this gives them access to employment, education, and services that can improve their lives. So an example of this is the Rio de Janeiro Sky High transport system. Now that we've looked at inequality and poverty, let's move on to cultural diversity. Now this refers to the existence of a variety of cultural or ethnic groups within a society. Culture um, relates to nationality, race, age and traditions. Immigration is a key influence. Globalisation has increased movement around the world, so therefore it's quite common to find people from different parts of the world living in major urban areas. The, this is where the key term diaspora is commonly used, where you find a large group of people with a similar heritage or homeland which have settled elsewhere in the world. So... If we look more closely at why there is greater cultural diversity in cities, um, there is quite a few reasons for this. This is because cities tend to offer greater employment opportunities. They're the first point of entry into the country for many immigrants. Cities also tend to house earlier immigrant groups with the same ethnicity. Um, urban populations tend to be more tolerant of immigrants. And established cultural diversity in cities means there's more specialist ethnic shops and religious centres located there. There are many benefits to cultural diversity. 
as it brings greater exposure to different foods, music, language and religions to an urban society. However, there are some issues also associated with cultural diversity, um, including language differences and hospitals having to cater for specific illnesses and schools altering their um, holiday patterns to cater for different ethnic groups. However, many countries have adopted a multicultural policy which protects and celebrates cultural diversity. There are still, however, issues like social segregation based on ethnicity. So in some European and North American cities, different, different ethnic communities have become isolated from wider society as they've maintained their own language and beliefs and limited their interaction with others. In American cities, the term ghetto has been used to describe an area of the city where the population is almost exclusively made up of an ethnic or cultural minority. Despite um, the rising tensions between ethnic groups in some cities, um, a census data from 2011 in the UK revealed that many large cities, including Leicester, Birmingham and Manchester, have recorded a decrease in segregation for most ethnic groups between 2001 and 2011. In order to tackle the negative issues that are associated with ethnic segregation, a policy of interculturalism has been promoted. This emphasises interaction and the exchange of ideas between different cultural groups. Areas of mutual interest are found and community engagement is conducted in intercultural spaces such as libraries, schools, sports clubs and community centres. Um, furthermore, in the UK there is legislation on anti-racism, employment rights and opportunities to combat discrimination, prejudice and racism. This does encourage greater political involvement from different cultural groups, which encourages greater integration and provides a voice for those who feel that they may have been underrepresented. So we have covered quite a few social and economic issues that are associated with urbanisation. We've looked at poverty, inequality, we've also looked at cultural diversity, we've looked at social segregation. Um, so there is quite a few topics that we have covered here. So, so moving forward, um, I want you to make notes on all of the issues that I've discussed. If you've already made notes while listening to this podcast, then I want you to research and find some named examples for the issues that I have discussed. So um, I already gave you an example of how there is a greater provision of public transport um, in Rio de Janeiro. So I want you to find some more named examples that you can use in an exam question. And then next steps in the next lesson, we will be doing an exam question on this topic. So make sure you have notes and you've revised them. But thank you for listening and I hope this podcast is useful.